title of our sermon this morning is Our Hope is Secure. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2. So we're done with chapter 1. We're moving into chapter 2 now. We're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Last week, we talked about suffering. This week, we talk about trees. Or rather, we focus more on root systems. In our text this morning, Paul is calling the church to build their foundation, the foundation of their hope on Jesus Christ. Paul talks about the dangers of the worldly thinking, the traps and snares of earthly idols, as he reminds the church where our true hope lies. I pray that you will be encouraged this week as we explore what God has for us in his word this morning. Let's read the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That's the end of the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We give this to you, Lord. We thank and praise you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. As if 2020 wasn't difficult enough, in August, Bergenfield got hit by a pretty decent storm. A bolt of lightning blew a transformer. Uh, I remember sitting in the parking lot of the church with my, like, we, Karen and I got our, like, little uh, beach chairs out. We're just hanging out in the front. It was hot in the house because our AC wasn't working, so we're just chilling outside. That's how we had to charge our phones, which was the only way we could really figure out what was going on or keep up with when we were going to get power back, any of that stuff. Phones were all dying, so the only way to do it was to start the van and to charge it in the van. Our power was out for a while. Some people Went without it for a lot longer than we did. I think it was just like a day or two for us, but some had it for quite a while. A big part of the reason that the power company was having issues restoring everyone's power, it wasn't the transformer. They got the transformer fixed fairly quickly. It was the trees that were blown down all over town that had taken out power lines and caused other destruction along the way. It was not easy to maneuver around these trees, they were a massive hindrance. A friend of mine in town sent me some pictures of a tree in their backyard that destroyed their pool and a tree across the street that had blown over and taken out all the power lines in its wake. Have you ever stopped and looked at a tree that's been blown over? Often, where we look first is the branches and the leaves that are like everywhere and examine the damage that they have done as they crashed to earth. And then our eyes follow the trunk down to the base. And there is the root system, exposed for all to see. The tree that fell down across the street from my friend's house took the sidewalk with it. When the tree blew over, the roots of the tree tore up the ground along with a few pieces of the cement. Looking at those roots is, is somewhat fascinating. The tangle of limbs darting here and there as they dig into the soil in search of nutrients. It looks like a maze that you wouldn't want to be caught in or a really bad tangle of hair. As I looked at the roots from this tree, it was clear that the roots of the tree did not break. 
They were still there. I could see them. But the ground in which they had grown gave way, and that is why the tree fell. In our passage this morning, Paul is writing the church in Colossae, instructing them to be rooted in Christ. Live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, encourages the pen of the apostle. What does it mean to be rooted in him? In Psalm 1, we have this picture of a tree planted by streams of water, being nurtured by the earth, receiving its nutrients, its life from the water and the soil. The tree is fed by the earth. The earth holds the tree steady and firm. The earth is what keeps it from being toppled, from falling. It is the nutrients in the earth that allow it to grow fruit. The tree is totally dependent on the soil that it has been planted in. Believers are in Christ as trees are in the earth. There is an absolute dependence on the believer's part. And Paul is encouraging us that this is how it should be. This is the plan. This is where we are safest, the healthiest, and the most fruitful. This is where God wants us. And then we have the warning in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. If you aren't sinking your roots into Christ, what are you sinking them into? Because your roots are going somewhere. We aren't trees like suspended in air, right? We're rooted into something. Paul understands the temptation and the pressures of the world around the people of Colossae. He knows that they are being ridiculed by people who claim to have a higher intellect than those in the church. He knows that they are being mocked and laughed at. He knows that they are being bombarded by people who believe themselves to be smarter and better, of greater importance than the poor, little ignorant Christians who believe in something so illogical that it must be left to faith. As I'm sure the church could throughout history, we today can relate to the church in Colossae, can't we? Society tells us that things that are clearly immoral are in fact good and right. Society tells us that things that are clearly moral are in fact wrong and misguided. Society tells us that truth is totally relative unless your truth contradicts their truth. In our society, science is subject to the agenda of those in power. There's nothing firm for us to stand on. Everything shifts and changes as society continues its fervent, manic pursuit of its idols. But you see, the people in the church and the people not in the church aren't fundamentally different. We're all searching for the soil into which we will sink our roots. We're all looking for the philosophies into which we will grow, the beliefs that will nurture us, and the soil that we are rooted in will determine the fruit that we bear. Every one of us is looking for something to believe in, something to give us answers, something to give us hope, something to tell us that everything is going to be okay, something to give us assurance and stability, whether you believe in Christ as your Savior or not. This is something that that we all crave, that we all desire, that we all search for and need. There's the story of a group of friends pulling a prank in New York City. 
One morning, they stood on a street corner and stared intently up into the sky. One of the boys pointed, while another, just loudly enough to be heard, said, It is not. A third friend argued, It is so. At this, one or two people stopped and began to look up in the same direction as the group of friends. As the faux argument grew more heated, others stopped to gaze fixedly at the point that this group was discussing. Then, one by one, the kids would quietly slip out of the crowd and gather a few yards away to watch the results. By this time, some 15 people were looking up into the air. The crowd changed as new passerby came along and joined the group, that, and, and those who had been staring the longest left. Twenty minutes later, several people were still looking upward, staring at something that was not there and, and never had been. This is the reality of the philosophies and the wisdoms of the world. Society tries so desperately to deny the reality of God that we have whole systems of understanding that defy logic and explanation. The philosophies of the world are deceptive and hollow. We want to believe them because it feels good and it's easier, it scratches an itch, and it makes us feel better about ourselves. And it validates the idols that we have cast in our own image. But the philosophies of the world leave us as people on the sidewalk. We stare into the sky, wanting so badly to see something that we continue to look until we are almost blind. But we never catch a glimpse of anything real. So what are we looking at? What are we sinking our roots into? Have we been taken captive by the philosophies of the world? Paul also warns about traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Tradition itself isn't a bad thing. It can be very good. Some traditions are fantastic. But if we're sinking our roots into traditions and not the living word of Christ, we're failing. Traditions are healthy when they call us back to rhythms of worship. They are unhealthy when they become what? We worship. And we know that the enemy prowls around like a lion seeking to destroy. He specializes in twisting truth so that we believe lies about ourselves. He exacerbates our anxiety and depression. He tells us we're worthless. He knows our sin and knows our unworthiness and throws our unworthiness in our face. He tells us that we've gone too far, that, that Christ is done with us, that we are too far gone to be forgiven. Church, Paul is pleading with us to not let tradition and the deception of the enemy be what we root ourselves in. What soil have we sunk our roots into? Will the soil that we are digging into hold firm in the face of the storm? Will the winds of reality cause the soil we have grown in to give way? Will we end up like the tree across the street from my old friend's house? From my friend's house, we're still friends. With our roots exposed? Is the soil too soft to hold firm in the face of the pressures all around us? What philosophies have you embraced? What beliefs have you sunk your roots into? As Christians, we know that we're supposed to be listening to the Apostle Paul in our text this morning. We know we're supposed to be rooting ourselves in Christ and only in Christ. So how are you doing with that? We're not perfect trees, are we? 
We're pretty good at sinking our roots into the wrong types of soil. The philosophies of the world are all around us, and they are tempting and distracting, and there's a part of us that likes being distracted. And sometimes, without even realizing it, we find ourselves staring into the sky with the crowd. And when we do realize our failings, the reality of our choices, our sinful hearts, and the deception of the enemy leave us in guilt and shame. Church, friends, if you find yourself caught in guilt and shame, if you find yourself tangled up in the wrong type of soil, I have good news for you. Your roots being in a soil other than Christ has not caused him to abandon you. The shame that you feel has not caused God to be ashamed of you. Your guilt has not changed his love for you. God is even now pursuing you, chasing you, calling you back to repentance, calling you back to the soil that he longs for you to be rooted in, the soil of his love and his forgiveness, the soil of truth. Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much that he came to earth and lived a life among the broken. He experienced pain and loss. He felt hunger and thirst. He was cold. He was hot. He was uncomfortable. And yet he loved us. He taught us, he led us, he healed us, and he fed us. And when the time came, his true purpose was revealed. When the time came, Jesus took up a cross, a cursed tree, that a perfect man had no business dying on, but he carried that tree in our place. And with it, he carried all of our sin. The sin we regret in our past, the sin we struggle with today, and the sin we will fall into tomorrow. He took all of it upon his shoulders and he carried it up that hill and he was nailed to the cross. And there, because of our sin, God turned his back on him. Christ was perfect, but he became our sin on the cross. And so because of our sin, God abandoned him. And there Christ died in our place for our sin. But three days later, he rose from the grave and defeated sin and death. And so now when we believe in Jesus, when we rest in the faith that we have been given, then we are reconciled to God. Through Jesus, our relationship with God has been restored. The Bible tells us that through faith we have put on Christ. The old has been taken away. Christ has taken our garments that have been stained by sin and has clothed us in his righteousness. When we trust in Jesus, then when God looks at us, he doesn't see trees that have gotten their roots tangled in the wrong soil. In Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our guilt and our shame. He doesn't see how far we have fallen. When we are in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees Christ. That is how great his love for his son and for us is. And this relationship is secure. It's not fragile. It's it's not weak. It's not held together by duct tape and string. It's grounded in the perfect love of Jesus Christ and the perfect will of the Father. In this, we can place our trust. In this, we can place our hope. Just as Christ does not regret dying for the sins of those who will never believe in him, he does not regret dying for the sheep of his pasture who have hurt him. He does not regret dying for the Christian who has wandered, for the Christian who has for a time sunk their roots into the soil other than Christ. And so we see that Jesus is the foundation of our hope. Outside of him, there is no hope. There is no solid ground. There is only the shifting sand of uncertainty. 
When we have our roots sunk into Jesus Christ, we can withstand the storms. It doesn't mean that life will be easy or pretty. It doesn't mean we won't face the wind and the weather, but it does mean that our hope and our future is secure. And that we do not need to worry about our soil abandoning us, giving way, letting us fall in the midst of the storm. Often as trees, it is our dream to look like the majestic oak with its long branches and its deep root system. It's a beautiful tree and provides shelter and comfort. Yes, we desire to be big, tall, strong, steady oak. But for the life of a Christian, we tend to end up looking more like the trees that populate Slope Point. Slope Point is the most southern point of New Zealand's South Island. The region is consistently lashed with fierce and cold southwesterly winds that blow up from Antarctica. The wind here is so intense and relentless that the trees are twisted, warped, and forever bent along the direction that the wind blows. Slope Point is predominantly used for sheep farming. Though the trees are misshapen by the elements around them, their roots are deep and secure, and they still offer shelter to the sheep in the pasture. These trees are, are not pretty, and yet they are beautiful. They themselves have been abused by the wind and the elements, but their roots are deep and their soil is secure. And in the twisted, broken-looking forms that the elements around them have shaped them into, there's a perfect shelter for the sheep in the pasture. God has not promised us the life that we desire, but he will make something beautiful out of our life. He has not promised us a life free from scorn or shame or ridicule or pain. He has promised us hope. He has promised us forgiveness. He has promised us that he loves us. He has promised us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He has promised us that we are secure with him. And God keeps his promises. The wind and the elements may twist us into forms that we don't like and we don't think are pretty. We may go through things in life that scar us and that hurt us and that change us from what we were originally hoping to be. We may not like the shape that God has given us, but the shape of the tree is not as important as the root of the tree. And when the root of the tree is sunk into the soil of Christ, it is anchored to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. But the shape of the tree is beautiful. And God uses each of us in our brokenness and in our hurt to reach out and to comfort his lost sheep. He uses each of us even though we are in forms we didn't want and aren't proud of. He uses us in his mission to bring about his kingdom. Church, let us rejoice in Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice in his work on our behalf. Let us rejoice in the truth that when we wander and stray and sink our roots into any soil but his, he pursues us and he calls us to repentance. And when we have turned and asked for it, he forgives us. Let us rejoice that though the harsh winds of the world bend us and twist us, God does not leave us. He does not abandon us. He still loves us fiercely and perfectly. And he can use us in whatever shape we take for the growing of his kingdom. This is our God. This is our Savior. This is our hope. Let us rejoice 
that in Jesus Christ, our hope is secure. What a fantastic and loving God we serve. Amen.